My light bulb moment this week are actually two of them. We've got a new data project uh, that we are in the midst of, and this is going to be big. It's sort of been a slow build, but it's starting to build on great momentum. And essentially what it is, is it's completely upgrading something that we've been doing for years, which many don't even know about, is weekly tracking of our clients and other weekly tracking mechanisms and using 13-week cycles. What we're doing now is we're having a much more systematic and larger scale approach to getting a KPI on a very regular basis. So we're able to have real-time benchmarks as opposed to benchmarks that might be dated from many years ago, whatever. And it also will ask the question on a very current basis, how are people trending? Uh, included in this is some um, POS and tech partnerships. We already have a partnership with Forrest. They've already built out an entire reporting structure that meets with our process. We also are in discussions with Mevo, and I believe that we are now at a point where we can start adding them to this. And we're also in conversations with Salon Biz and other POS companies. Our intent is to really build data to a whole nother level as a great supplement to the other data projects we work on, such as compensation, a lot of compensation projects. We have three in the works right now, but I'll save that for another week. Uh, the other thing is um, uh, wedding. Aaron just got married. And um, I'd be remiss just getting home 48 hours, not even 48 hours ago, is to just kind of unpack it a little bit here. And first of all, I want to come to wedding hair, um, keep it on point here, because I could talk all day about the wedding because it was an amazing uh, multicultural experience. Certainly check out Instagram for a lot of posts that are uh, up there on the wedding that just was uh, this past weekend. But shout out to Alan Ruiz, who I already mentioned as a guest. And boy, I got to tell you, I have a new appreciation for hairstylists, makeup artists, everybody and anybody involved in uh, something like this. So Alan was able to help the mother of the bride, uh, which was awesome to have Master Hairstylist of the Year work with your wife to help her get ready. He was very, very generous. And then we have our niece, Bailey. And now you're starting to get a sense of the multicultural aspect of this wedding uh, hairstylist. And then we're going to get to Candace Gliato in a moment because she got into the act too. But I just thought I'd show you some photos of some of the, the different uh, aspects of the wedding. Uh, I mean, it was a full-on multiple-day Indian service as well as Western service. And I think you can see some of the, uh, uh, some of the bright colors and the imagery. It's just an explosion of color. Uh, followed by a black and white night, which was a traditional Western ceremony. And obviously, you can see the bride looks beautiful. And I think I look okay, too. They're actually in a tux. Anyway, it was a blast. And I want to bring Candace into the conversation right now. Uh, Candace, good morning. How are you? Doing well, thanks. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. We do have a topic that's not wedding related, and I'm super anxious and excited to get into that topic. So thank you for uh, being such a big part of the wedding and doing Aaron's hair and quite an experience, wasn't it? It was. It was incredible. I mean, I've never been to and an, the wedding, all aspects of it were pretty incredible. I've never experienced an Indian wedding ceremony or all of the other ceremonies that come with it. So it was really the experience quite the experience for us. So we could spend an entire session on that today, but uh, that blends that pushes a little bit too into the personal side of things. But uh, obviously you and I could spend an entire day talking about that. But let's get on, let's get on the topic that I really wanted to explore with you today. And 
Candace, I've known you for a very long time. You've been a, a business owner that has had the ups and downs through the years, but you've you, you've run a very successful business now. You're at two locations, and you shared with me something that was something you did in your salon. And it really jumped out at me because you ranked it as one of the most significant things you've ever done as a salon owner. So I'll let you uh, take it from there. I get to work with a lot of salon owners through Kennedy. And I, you know, although I'm a coach, I still have the same challenges that everybody else has in their salon. And um, one of the most difficult ones and the ones that really can kind of punch you in the gut is when your culture is off in your salon. And um, that has been my experience at my original location for, for quite a while now. So really just kind of dialing it back to where this all started, you know, like post COVID shutdown, like we, we had been back up and running for a while. And I was pretty busy getting my second location up and running. So I wasn't in the salon quite as much. And I had had some senior staff leave. Not necessarily for any bad reasons, but it definitely kind of shifted the vibe of the salon for sure. And so, you know, we were lucky enough to have a lot of new people come in. And so, you know, we were able to maintain like our team size, but the shifting around of people, me being elsewhere, it just kind of led to this culture funk. And then... At the end of last year, despite a lot of efforts to do all the things that we're all trying to do, to create more flexibility, get rid of the more strict dress code, you know, create opportunities for people to make a lot more money and work a lot less. Despite all of those efforts and all those things being put into place, I still lost about four more people at the end of last year, which really was just kind of like the you know, final push over the edge of like, okay, we have like a big culture problem here. And, you know, I've been chipping away at it and it's just not really gotten anywhere. And so I was feeling really, really defeated. Like wanted to throw in the towel. Like every day I'm like, I should just quit this, stop torturing myself with this, focus on being an educator, you know, and it was, it was rough. And I know that a lot of the salon owners that I talk to every day are in that same boat and it's so emotional and exhausting and sad, but um, yeah. And I have talked to every single team member individually. Okay. And this is an important part of it. Every single one I pulled aside, Hey, can I have some feedback? I'm really struggling with this. And you know, the, the general feedback that I got from them is, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel bad for you. Oh man. I, you know, I wish it wasn't like this. I don't know what you can do. I remember one of the last conversations I had before I decided to do what I'm going to share in a moment here was with one of my stylists, Ash. And she was like, I don't know, but we need a big reset. Good luck. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you're going to do this. So fast forward to the fill. What was the name, and excuse me for not remembering this, of the woman that was talking about mental health? Melissa Tolman, yeah. So she spoke and she said something that really stuck with me and my my GM, Ashley, which is like, hey, like you're human too. Your mental health matters. You don't have to have all the answers to everything at all times. And 
you know, it's okay to say that to people. It's okay to just get on their level and say, look, I don't know. And so between her share and the actual roundtables that were done, these like facilitated, really thoughtful conversations that allowed people to really be vulnerable, I thought, this is what I need to do with my team is have a conversation like this. And I've heard from a lot of salon owners about them trying to have this type of conversation. And it's been referred to as like, I'm going to have a, you know, a come to Jesus with my staff or, you know, I'm just going to sit them down. And, and I didn't want to attack anybody or, you know, make anybody feel bad for me or even unintentionally come off as like manipulative. I wanted to be really, really transparent and really authentic. and so. I, I really sat down and thought, I need my team to know that I am trying the hardest I can. And I need to tell my team that I am willing to own that I may have failed them. And not over and over again, but unintentionally, I may have done the wrong thing. And just say, I'm, I'm trying, I'm human, but I may have messed up and I need your help to get this back on track. And so I warned them ahead of time that we were going to be having, you know, a different type of team meeting. Typically we did like, you know, slide deck, presentation, workshops, kind of things that mirror some of the workshops that we do at Cunity, fun stuff, but I needed to shift for this. So I set up our tables in a circle. We went in a different area of the salon that's a little bit more quiet. and. I just started out by having a very vulnerable moment with them. And I prepared myself. I had notes because I didn't want to mess up what I was going to share. And then I told them, I said, I have notes about what I'm about to say because I don't want to mess it up. So this doesn't mean it's not real. It just means it's serious and I want to be really clear. So I actually used the three C's to share the, the, the things that I was feeling. And so, you know, starting with closure, like, hey, here's the thing, like, we lost a lot of people, you know, I know that the culture is not good, I'm not in denial of that, you know, and everybody seems, you know, angry or upset or dissatisfied in some sort of way, you know, and I feel that way too, I feel really defeated, you know, I genuinely, like, feel like I can't keep doing this like this, and it's kind of sucking the life out of me, and if I had ever made you feel that way I am so so sorry and so I mean I get emotional a little bit talking about it you know but anyway so I told them I said you know what I want moving into clarity is like I want to recover you know what used to make me feel really proud of citrus which is our culture and like how much people really enjoyed being there and so I asked him are you willing to work on this with me because if we could do this again, like I would feel really proud of my business again. You know, we've had a lot of left brain success and profitability and in our systems and operations. But at the end of the day, if people don't like working there, I can't be, it's that unity thing. I can't be really proud of that. And they said, yes. And I think they were pretty tripped out that I did that. Cause I was, I mean, just talking about now, you can tell I'm emotional. You should have seen me there. And I wasn't doing it to be manipulative. I was just being myself. And 
so anyways, that's the whole lead up to what I did. I feel like I've been talking for a long time. <laughs> Should I keep going? No, I, I, I'm, I'm going to just let you run on this, <clears throat> let you run on this one. And, uh, you know, obviously you did share with me, there's a lot of vulnerability in this and, and transparency, and it's absolutely coming through. This is, this is an amazing share, actually. Keep going. This is uh this is a great story. It's a great way to really look at something that just you just feel like squeezed. You just feel like you don't know where to go. You feel stuck. And keep going. This is this is a phenomenal share. So I asked them if they were willing to work on it with me, and and they said yes. Okay. And so here's where I had I had to really be thoughtful going into it about. I don't want to set up some sort of meeting that turns into like, you know, pitchforks being out and everybody airing out all their problems in a way that make would make me feel attacked or my managers or each other. And so before we got started, I said, I, you know, I just want to, I want to create a safe space here and just create some, some boundaries. Okay. And I have seen, I call them boundaries instead of rules. I didn't want it to feel weird, but, it, you know, I said, look, we're, we're not going to do, there's no finger pointing here. Okay. There's no passive aggressive size, eye rolls, things like that are going to make people feel uncomfortable and we can't have that. So restrain yourself. And then I said, you know, when we express what we need, I want us to use nonviolent communication only. And so this is something that I learned from my, you know, my parents as a teenager, you know, in communicating, which is, you know, and I explained to them, you know, share what you have experienced, identify your feelings, express what you need and request the help. And I actually printed out these little visuals with all four steps and put them on the table just so people could like really be thoughtful when they shared. I asked everybody to participate. You know, I said, please don't take over the conversation. We need to hear from everybody. And we only have 90 minutes. So time limit was set, all of this. And so we went for it. And, you know, they had some some specific requests. I was a little nervous that they were going to be like, we need to close the salon on Saturdays or something like that, that Mm -hmm. I was going to have to say no. There was nothing like that. It was all these little things that were just either assumptions that we needed to clear up or, you know, they needed to clear up assumptions that maybe we as leaders had of them, you know, that we don't want to work, that sort of, they don't want to work, that sort of thing. We cleared all that stuff out. So basically they asked, you know, they felt like the managers were, were not as approachable as they could be, which gave the managers to have a conversation of like, oh my gosh, no, I want you to approach me. Mm. And again, assumptions. That stylist doesn't like me or doesn't like to be told what to do. This manager doesn't like me. No, it's just a matter of people assuming that that's what's happening. You know, there's a couple other low-hanging fruit, junior, junior talent um, needing a little bit more support. So we talked about that. You know, breaks after a certain number of haircuts in a row, things that I would have been happy to do that I didn't even know were on the radar. So, interestingly enough, I, I wrote down everything that they had requested and I had to go. Like, I had to actually had an appointment and I had to leave, and Ashley had to go too. And we both walked away, you know, without a ton of closure from this meeting. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Did we just like rip a hole in the sky or was that good? I have no idea what happened. And everybody kind of walked away a little bit stunned, you know, and from all those notes, I wrote a big email and I said, you know, here's what I heard from you and here's how we're going to respond to this, which I think was really important to confirm that we heard them. And the next day I got back to work, I had no idea what I was going to walk into. And the whole salon just felt like there was like this cloud that was lifted off of it. Even though we didn't really have any like really strong things that came out of it, it was just about having a conversation. So I got up to my desk. There's a bunch of notes on my desk from the team. You know, thank you for yesterday. I can't wait to continue this conversation. And we have had another meeting since where we've tackled some other things that were like points of frustration. But again, for the most part, low hanging fruit. And it was just about being open. And I told you this, Tom, and I'll say this again now, like this is the most significant culture shift we have ever created in our 14 years of business. And it happened in, you know, really in an hour and a half. Let, let that sink in for a moment. That's a signal. That's really what caught my attention. I thought that's this is a light bulb moments conversation that you've been in business how long? 14 years. So 14 years, the most significant cultural shift you've ever had. All right, keep going. You were going to say something about your husband? Well, I was just going to say, you know, he's in and out of the salon fixing things and whatnot. And he he came in to fix something. And later that evening, I got home and he was like, Man, I went into that salon. I didn't even recognize it. It felt completely different. Everybody was saying hi. Everybody seemed like they're in a great mood. We're getting emails from customers. Just just want to thank you. I had a great experience. Like it's affecting all those other things that you, you know, that we're always trying to remedy. And it really just goes to show like root cause. Like if your people are in a funk, that's where you got to start, you know? And so, and and for me, it's like feel hundred pounds lighter. Even, you know, the couple of weeks after, as things fell into place, I was, I was telling Ashley, I was like, man, I've been obsessing over the, the culture funk in our salon for so long. Now that that's gone, I'm like trying to figure out new things to think about. <laughs> There's a lot of space in there now. I'm like, okay, what do I focus on? So, you know, it's just, it's been pretty amazing. And part of me is like, dang, I wish I would have done this two years ago. I suffered for a long time when I just needed to not have the answers, not change the dress code, not give pricing autonomy. I mean, I did all those things and they they were important and meaningful to my team, but like it really came down to just getting on the same page as them. And, and you don't have to have all the answers. You can ask them. And so it was a matter of me saying, Hey, how do you want to be led? And they came to the same conclusions that I did, you know, for things that we have in place, policies and systems and all that. But it was just about understanding why that those exist and that they're there to support people, not to control people. And, you know, there's a lot more trust in our structures and systems now. And so we're going to continue to have meetings in this format for, for a while. You know, we won't necessarily be tackling culture every time because I feel like we've moved through most of that. But, you know, having that style of a meeting for how we are going to tackle 
customer service or technical development or, you know, mission and values. I'm excited. So very courageous of you. I could see that, you know, this really pushed your boundaries personally from a vulnerability and it's, it's really amazing. You know, if you were in touch with them one-on-one and you felt like you had the one-on-one, why do you suppose things didn't come out? Why, why, why would, what was the, because it was the group element that was the X factor, X factor here to remove the culture funk. Why is that? You know, I talked with people about that because I was trying to figure it out too. I'm like, I don't know why this worked and those meetings didn't, you know, I was just as open in those meetings, but I think if we don't catch everybody at the, at the same time, the way that they explained it was like, yeah, I would talk to you and I'd be like, okay, I kind of understand go downstairs and there's maybe a negative conversation happening and it immediately kind of undoes what happened. We all needed to have a reset together at the same time. And we all needed to be in the same room and look in each other's eyes and say, I'm willing to work on this. Not, oh, I hear you. Okay. And so it was a, there was a commitment that we made as a group before we even started the discussion, which is, I do want this to be better. And I'm willing to share what I need and we're willing to listen. I'm willing to shift some things so that myself like me as a team member and all of our team can move forward in a way that feels good i think it was i think it was that i would expect that your vulnerability was at another level than it might have been in the past is that a fair statement have yeah. you been that vulnerable okay well you know i've i've always had all the answers you know and and oh. solutions and i went into this and it was a very weird feeling, but I went into this saying, knowing what I was going to say in the beginning, right? We talk about closure, clarity, and confidence. I told you, I closure was here's what happened. Clarity is here's what I want to happen and how that would make me feel and how I hope it would make you feel. Confidence is what we're going to do to get there. I, I didn't have that part. Mm. They needed to have that part for me. And we needed to have that discussion. And so... I had no idea, even like I said, even walking away from the meeting, I was like, I, I hope we figured it out, you know, mm -hmm. or we got some traction. It, it was about figuring out what to do next together that made the difference. But also that was the scariest part for me because I didn't know what was going to come up. Yeah, the vulnerability obviously was an important factor. The boundaries that you established at the very beginning had to be a very important factor. So it didn't get off the rails. And it's, I think you've had some conclusions since you've had some perspective, you know, about how people want to be led and meetings. And so what shifted as we really kind of look forward and really help guide others that might be in a cultural funk like that? Yeah, I think meeting wise, like, you know, a few years ago, I would put on like a full circus of a workshop. I mean, food, desserts, decorating the tables, you know, all of these things and big presentation activities, all of this, things that we love. I love those things. But if you're not in a good place, those things can almost be received as like annoying. Right. And so that was a big thing to realize is like, hey, I can't pretend everything's fine when it's not like I have to really get down to the bottom of this. Now, that's one reason 
why I wanted to shift the style of the meetings. But the other thing that I learned after doing it is like how important transparency is. Overall, there is kind of lack of trust in leadership right now. I mean, and that goes all the way up, you know, politicians, all these things. There's a, there's a lack of trust in leadership. And there's an assumption that maybe people who are leading are do not have the best intentions. And so, you know, before with things that you know, maybe didn't need to be explained, here's why we, you know, here's the policy. Now it's, we're creating a policy for this because of all of these things. Before that felt like too much information to give, like I was going to bore people with it. What I'm learning is that my team needs to know why everything is the way that it is so that they trust the system that is used to uphold or to to you know to resolve certain things. And so that was a really big one. And then also involvement. You know, Jody had shared, you know, these key factors of leadership, you know, a year or so ago. And I don't remember all of them, but I remember one of them was involvement. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting because like, you know, your your core leadership team, like your managers, they always have your back. They're always engaged and excited, you know. And it's because they're involved. And so if you can create an opportunity for the rest of the team to be involved about where the business is going and how it's going to get there, then you're going to have, you know, a higher level of, of engagement or buy-in and, or trust. And so those were, were big takeaways for me. And after, you know, having done this, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was, that was a real thing. That was true. That was a true need. So. So. When you, you know, when we look at structure and how does this change the structure of your calendar when it comes to meetings and all of that? So let's look out maybe 13 weeks, 26 weeks, you know, that type of thing. So how do you, how, how does it affect the structure of how you do business? Well, it's, it, we had, we've always done a quarterly all team meeting and that's what this was they actually requested that we do another session like very soon so we scheduled one like two weeks later and they stayed late I got pizza they stayed at we closed at seven they stayed till nine to have another one of these discussions because it was really important to them and so then after that one they they said we could probably spread them out a little bit more I I feel better now and so we're going to do a seasonal roundtable you know, and we'll have a focus. It's not going to all be like, let's, let's fix what's broken in the culture because we're moving through that now. So seasonal roundtable that is brief, an hour and a half that is focused, that has boundaries, that has, you know, a very clear intention for what we're trying to do. Yeah. I I mean, that's how it affects the calendar, but I will say it's, it's actually easier to prepare for that type of meeting than for a full presentation and workshop you know the to prepare for that meeting it's think about what you want and check your ego at the door and that's it you know and I hate to admit I do I I do have an ego I have a lot of pride and so sometimes it's hard to hear that what you're trying to do isn't working but you have to hear it or you're just gonna be it's just going to be you and yourself, you know? Yeah, I, I, it resonates with me what you said about the relative 
preparation and delivery between sort of a normal salon meeting where there's presentation, there's slides, there's education, there's food. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to have an engaging, you know, meeting. Whereas this is just, you know, make sure that you are, you know, facilitate really well and make sure that you've got the boundaries and all of that. But truly, if you have the facilitation skills, if you have the boundaries, if you have a structure around it, yeah, it's a heck of a lot easier than preparing like a full-blown workshop-driven salon meeting. Yeah. And definitely like I used a lot of the, and granted this was a more personal situation, but I used a lot of the facilitating, you know, techniques that I, that I've learned in facilitating roundtables for community or, you know, in group coaching, I used a lot of that. Like, I think when I first started doing that facilitation for community, I was always nervous to, to interject, right. Or to stop something that was getting out of control because I, I didn't want to come off rude but I've learned how to do that in a way that's well-received. And so, you know, okay, no finger pointing was one of our boundaries. And somebody brought up an individual and I was able to say, whoa. And she was like, sorry, sorry. You know, but it wasn't, she didn't feel scolded because the boundary was set ahead of time. And I knew how to just, I really just, Tom, you taught me that, Tom. Put your hand up, (laughs) hold on. You know, and so that's what I did. I think it's really a great share and a great light bulb moments episode. We've talked so much about the business aspect, the data studies, all of that. And, uh, you know, certainly finding and keeping talent is huge. But while you have the talent, you know, making sure their level of engagement is at its peak is is really something I think everybody can relate with. And look for tools and ideas. So anything else that you want to share before we wrap up, Candace? No, not necessarily. I think, I think I shared it all, you know, and just to be really honest, this is, this is new, you know, this has been going on for a a couple of, a couple of months now, and we're going to continue to, to work this way. And so I might have more to share later, but right now it just feels like as complex as it is it was that simple I don't know how to say it in the other way just about admitting that you're human and that you're working with humans and acknowledging and creating space for how everybody feels so Joe DeAnda asked a question here he asked what were the four points of expressing yourself that you you shared again is what the question is if you if you look up um i'll share them but if you know if you want to read a little bit more about it it's called nonviolent communication or nvc it's pretty pretty popular subject but sharing your observation or observing what has happened expressing your feelings so how that made you feel And then requesting what you want to change because of your need for blank. And so I have a little visual that I could send you, Joe, if you want. But if you Google it, there's so much really great information about it, about NBC. This might have been one of my favorite um, light bulb moments with you, Candace, that you've been a guest. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many light bulbs, but here's another one coming your way. So thanks, Candace. 
it, it's really caused me to reflect quite a bit since we've had, because you, you have brought this up a couple times. And to me, when you said that this is the most significant cultural shift that you've had since you've been open is just remarkable. So thank you. All right. Well, listen, what a, uh, a great share by Candace. So we have coming up, uh, actually, I don't need this. Uh, we have coming up in September. Uh, we have two workshops and they are adjacent to the Minneapolis airport. Very easy to get in and out on. It's September 19th and 20th. I certainly hope I got those dates right. Uh, we have two workshops going on simultaneously. Uh, we have our execution workshop. The first time we did it was the end of June and it was unbelievable. It's really a the most buttoned down version of use of our tools to get things done. The feedback was tremendous in June. So we already added another date and it's in September and it is in the chat for that. It's called Execution SBO. And that's going to be led by Heath Smith. Simultaneous, we'll have our profit, uh, two-day profit program, which we call Money SBO, that will be led by Candace. And then there'll be overlap between the two groups um, for efficiency and meals and engagement, all of that. But we have two separate tracks going on. Uh, enrollment is open. Uh, we'd love to have you join us. There's no substitute for in-person. These workshops has the most current community execution tools, including some that none of you have ever used before. So certainly join us September 18th and 19th. Candice, it's going to be great to have you back over in the Twin Cities, and it's going to be here before we know it. All right. And then, so as we wrap up here, uh, we've given Candice the golden light bulb here. And uh, Lightheart Sanders, thanks for their sponsorship of Lightbulb Moments, as well as Benefits by Community, which offers Ally Health. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We love hearing from you. Submit a Lightbulb Moment, or if you want to be a guest, let us know. Um, and also watch Aaron's or check out Aaron's podcast, uh, Money O2. She's got some great episodes that she's loaded very recently. And a lot of greedy, a lot of uh, gratitude for all of you that joined us this week. We took a couple weeks off and um, uh, always, always love these uh, Wednesday sessions. So uh, I wish all of you uh, a great rest of the week. We'll be back with you live next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central Time. Thanks again to Candice Gliato. Thanks again to the community team for helping to produce this. And most importantly, for all of you that joined us, whether you're live with us or you're watching the YouTube episode, we thank you. And we'll see you very soon. Thanks again. Bye now.